So tonight I'm going to talk about Holy Smoke. Father, have your way in this service. Use this word for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say Holy Smoke. Now, we're going to talk about the altar of incense tonight, which is here to my left. Some of you already recognize that as the altar of incense. But also we brought in the brazen altar because these two altars are connected. Now, if you look, in, if you look at the a portrait of all the furniture in the temple, there is a straight line from this altar to that altar. There's only two altars in the temple or the tabernacle, and the next place here is a throne. Now, we call it a mercy seat. It's basically a coffin with two angels on top with their wings spread out, but the Bible says that God sits on that, and that's where the glory of God was at. Now, in the heavenly temple, that is the throne of Christ. That is where Christ sits on the throne in the temple. So the mercy seat in heaven is the throne of the Lord. And not, now that's not the same as the throne of the Father, which is in the courtroom of God. And we don't have time to talk about the throne tonight. That's another sermon for another day. But I want you to notice that in the temple that God told them to allow, in the tabernacle, God put two altars. Now, why would you need a church with two altars? Why would you need, why not one altar? Is one altar enough? Why would you need a church with two altars? And these altars are distinctly different from one another. This altar, called the brazen altar, or the altar of sacrifice, is filled with blood. Now, I, I wish I hadn't have told them to turn this around now, because on the other side of this altar, there's a pipe coming out, and that's where the blood was drained, because this altar would fill up, literally it had fire on the inside, and would fill up with gallons and gallons of blood around the fire. So you had the fire in the middle and the blood around and it would pour out. So this was a very bloody place. This was made of bronze and it, it was smelly. It had entrails. It had fat that had been separated. It was Something was always cooking. There were animals crying out because they were being slaughtered. They would bring them in and attach them to the horns of the altar, and then they would slaughter the animals. So you had, you had sounds of death. You had the smell of death. You had the look of death. This is a place where something dies, and we talked about that last week when I actually dealt with the sermon on the brazen altar. This is a place where something dies. Contrasting... This bloody place where something has to die is as we leave this smelly, bloody, bronze area and we walk into a room of pure gold where everything is pure gold. That's called the bronze altar. This is called the golden altar. That's called the altar of sacrifice. This is called the altar of incense. Contrasting these altars, this one smells like blood and cooking fat. This one smells like perfume that goes up before the Lord. This one is a completely different altar for a completely different purpose. Now what's interesting about these altars is that when you start reading the Bible, the Bible will call all of the furniture holy. The Bible calls the menorah holy. It calls the table of shoe bread holy. It calls, it calls the laver holy but not these altars. These altars are not called holy. These altars are called the most holy. 
This one is called the most holy two times. This one is called the most holy one time. Why two? Because two is the number of, somebody knows that already, right? Jesus, that's right. Two is the number of the Messiah. So two is the number of, so you would think that would, so that makes perfect sense that there needs to be two altars to get to the mercy seat, right? Because two is the number of Christ. So over here, he calls this twice because you have to come through Christ in order to get to God. You have to come through for salvation. Now on this altar here on the right side of me, the bronze altar, the golden altar, it symbolizes in our world today the removal of your sins. The whole purpose of this altar is so that you could have your sins removed. We would call this salvation. Now, instead of laying animals on the altar and burning them and separating the fat and all the things the Lord told us to do, now we can approach the throne of grace boldly because Jesus has made a way and we can say a simple prayer instead of going to all the ordeal of shedding blood, the blood of Jesus was shed once and for all on Calvary and now you and I, instead of doing this, we can kneel on our knees and call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. So this altar represents our salvation. So what does this altar represent? This altar is about repentance. This altar is about worship and prayer. So now that I've repented of my sins, I need to go before the Lord in worship and prayer. Now I need to stop and preach here for a moment and this is not gonna be popular with everybody. I'm just gonna have to say it because it's the truth, but I wanna tell you, it's a little in your face, not for anybody here, but maybe for somebody watching somewhere far away, all right, but none of you. You cannot bypass this altar and go to that altar. Worship is not about singing songs and swaying bodies. Worship is about people who have repented before the Lord and they're coming before the Lord with a repented heart. And the reason some people have a hard time worshiping is because they need to go back here and repent. And their unforgiveness is blocking their flow of worship. They say, I don't feel anything when I, when I worship. The reason you may not feel anything when you worship is because you may have something stuck here in your past or stuck here in your heart that you need to ask God forgiveness for. I'm not saying you're not saved. Don't, under, don't misunderstand me here. I went on a journey one time for two years where the Holy Spirit told me, I heard Raymond Culpepper preaching, I don't know how many of you would know him, but Dr. Raymond Culpepper preaching on the Lord's Prayer. And he got to the part, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And I was preaching a camp meeting when this happened. I was the night evangelist. He was the morning speaker. I was the night evangelist and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Brian, you need to do that. I thought, well, who do I need to forgive? The Lord took me on a two-year journey and 
cleansing my heart. I had to write letters. I had to write checks. I had to make phone calls and cleanse my heart. I was saved. I was anointed and I was preaching, but there was a hindrance between here and there. I was not close enough here. I was stuck back here in all of my unforgiveness. And I had buried it so long, I didn't even know it existed. When I went before the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't have, I don't know of anybody that I need to forgive. And the Lord took me 20 years back and started taking me on this journey of people that I just pushed out of my life and buried their names and did not speak their names. Here's how you know if you got unforgiveness. If somebody says their name and anger rises up inside of you, that means you've got unforgiveness in you. And I don't care who it is. If somebody says their name and you get upset because they said their name, there is something between you that you need to work out here before the Lord. I was preaching a funeral several years ago and the people that at the funeral decided to have all country music. There was no religious music. I was only invited there because uh, uh, um, uh, one of the people in the family went to my church and they needed a minister. I don't really know why they wanted a minister because there was nothing in the funeral that was sacred. There was nothing to talk about this man's life with God. But let me tell you what happened. When they started singing country music on CDs, this is what I saw. Everybody in the funeral started raising their hands and swaying just like this. If I had not have known better, I would have thought that I was on a, at a Sunday morning in a church and people worshiping. Next thing I know, man, they get out their phones and they turn on the little light on there. And now I know it looks like a candlelight service. I mean, I got phones swaying and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here? That looks like worship. Worship. And to them, they were doing the same thing that you and I do to worship the Lord, but they weren't worshiping the Lord. They were worshiping country music. They were worshiping, they were just feeling good. I want to tell you, there's a lot of people, even some secular artists that want to sing about sin and hell yesterday and want to produce a gospel album because it's going to make them some money and give them a little bit of popularity with the Christian community. When yesterday, they were rapping cuss words and now today they're actually singing how great thou art and it just doesn't work like that. You cannot bypass this altar and come to this altar. If you really want to be a true worshiper, the first thing you have to do is get on your face and repent of your sins and come clean before the Lord. Then the windows of heaven will be opened up and you will worship at a level you've never worshiped. And I'm not just talking about people that know they're not saved. Let me tell you something, worship is fun. Everybody knows that, but it's not entertainment. Even in some churches, it's entertainment. We worship to the songs we like. We don't worship to the songs we don't like. We worship to the instruments we like, and we don't worship to the instruments we don't like. I want to tell you something. If that song has Jesus in it, I can worship to a 50-piece orchestra or a one-toothless man on a juice harp. It doesn't matter to me what music is being played and who's playing it. I don't care if they're singing out of tune. If he likes it, I like it. I gave up my right to own worship a long time ago. Worship is not about making 
making you feel good. Worship is about making God feel good. And if you are hindered in your worship, you've got to go back here and say, God, what is standing between me and my worship? What is changed? What is standing between me? Who is it, God? Is it a person? Is it an incident? Is it a circumstance? Is it, what is, is, am I filled with self-pity? Am I, am I filled with self-centeredness, which is the root of all sin? And so if that is the case, you have to go back there. So you cannot, and I don't want to spend too much time there because there's a, a lot more for me to say. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com. Or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. So we no longer put, we no longer put animals on this altar. We put ourselves on the altar. This is a place where you surrender. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, everybody say, your bodies, as what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So what God is saying is, I don't want a lamb laying on this altar. I want you on this altar. I want you alive. I don't want you to be dead. I want you to be dead in the trespasses of sin. If you really want to be a worshiper and go there and see results, you have to start here because these altars are connected. Turn to your neighbor and say, those two altars are connected. So when you go to the next altar, this beautiful altar, this golden altar, this altar filled with incense, the first thing you notice is that it's shaped a lot different than this one. This one is shaped five by five. Someone tell me why it's five by five. Five is the number of grace. Everybody say that, five is the number of grace. You can only be saved through grace, not works of righteousness, that's any man can boast. You cannot earn your way into heaven. You cannot be good enough to go to heaven. You can only get to heaven one way, and that is to call upon the name of Jesus. That's the only way to get in. So this altar is shaped like grace, but it also has four horns, and four is the number of what? Somebody remember? The earth, north, south, east, and west. So this is how the earth, this is how the world gets saved through grace in Jesus Christ. But when I get over here, it's shaped all different. When I get over here, you've got two foot tall or two cubits high and you've got one by one. So one is the number of unity and two is the number of Jesus and the only way that you and I can be unified to God is through Jesus Christ. So notice this, it also has, and I think these are broken off of this one, but it also has four rings representing the earth. It has these, these, these horns at the top, or not, not really horns, but these areas at the top represent the earth and then you, ordinarily would have these poles going through those four rings. There, you know, I know the Christmas song says five golden rings, but the golden altar has four golden rings. So maybe you can remember that. All right, it has four golden rings. And understand that this all is symbolic. That one symbolizes me laying on the altar through grace and getting saved. This one here 
is all about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does that happen? Jesus two, two, two cubits high, Jesus brings unity to the earth and it's carried on two poles, which is Christ. So when you understand that, you understand that this is highly symbolic, but it's more than a symbol. It's more than just the symbol of Christ. The purpose of this is to create something that we call holy smoke. Now that smoke over there is created, the Bible calls it a sweet, a savor in the nostrils of God. That smells like barbecue. Tell me you don't like the smell of barbecue. Just tell me, listen, I can walk by a barbecue and a restaurant and I'm not even hungry and I'll turn in there and eat. I mean, I don't need, if I smell barbecue, it makes me hungry. Well, that's what this smells like. This is meat, this is lamb and cow, and I mean, all and ram, I don't know how, we, how many of you like to eat ram, but they liked it back then. This is what's on this. There's five different animals that are able to be cooked on here, and then they separate the fat, and we all know that's the good part, right? It's the fat, you know what, if, if you don't know my favorite scriptures in the world, the, my favorite scripture is the fat belongs to the Lord. I've been claiming that a long time. And every time my waistline gets a little bit bigger, I just declare I'm holier than I used to be. I'm good. Don't worry about me. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. All right. So the fat, the Lord told him to separate the fat and cook it because the fat belonged to the Lord. Nobody could eat the fat. Okay. And it's because of the smell that it created and went up to heaven. And so the whole, the whole camp of Israel could smell the sacrifice of the brazen altar. But when you get in here, there's a completely different smell. The smell in here is different from that one because this one has to create holy smoke. Now, holy smoke was, was given by, by decree by God, and he said that you had to make it a particular way. I love this. I don't know if you're gonna love this as much as I do, but I, this next part just excites me to no end. So if, even if I have to get excited by myself, I'm ready to do that tonight because I just love this so much. Let me read it first, and then I'm gonna explain it. All right, so what I'm reading from is, is um, beginning in, in, in the book of Leviticus, or excuse me, the book of Exodus chapter 30, verse 34. These were the Lord's directions to Moses concerning the incense. You sweet spices, stacked onyx. It looks like oincha, but it's actually pronounced onyx, like the like the the jewel onyx, onyx, galbanum, and pure frankincense. Now the word there, we use two words, but the word is frankincense. So actually, the word there is frank, and the word frank means white, which is a white smoke that would come up. And I'm going to explain why all of this is important. Okay, so he said, galbanon and pure frank incense, weighing out the same amounts of each, the usual techniques of the incense maker, and season it with salt. Now here's, this is interesting. Why would God add salt? You use salt to put out a fire. You can't smell it when it's burned. Why would God use, sprinkle this with salt at the end? Give you the command of four, four is the number of the earth, five, obviously you can see grace in there. Can you see grace there? God said four is the number of the earth. I'm bringing mankind to me, but I'm gonna add one more ingredient for grace, but there's more, it's more than that. You can't burn salt. You can't smell salt. So what is it doing on the altar of incense? 
What is it doing here when you can't burn it and you can't smell it? So listen to what he says. Beat some of, the, beat some of it very fine and put some in the front of the ark where I meet with you. So this is like another connection. You've got incense out here and then you've got incense inside at the Ark of the Covenant too, as if God said, come on in. This is how you get into my presence, okay? So keep that in mind as we, as we keep going. Now, when God began to, to create, when God began to give them instructions about these spices, he was very specific. So I want everybody to say four plus one. I want you to remember that, four plus one. There's four spices plus salt. Salt is not one of the spices. You gotta create the four spices, then you have to add the salt at the end. Now the first spice that he told them to use is, is a spice that is, well, you can't find it anymore. It's kind of an ancient spice, but it's called stacked. And it literally means, in Hebrew it's the word in the top, but it literally means to speak by inspiration. Now get that. I want to use a, a spice that means speak by inspiration, or you can also translate the same word into the word prophesy or the word preach. So the first spice is a prophet. The first spice is a preacher. It's someone who speaks with inspiration. Then I want you to add to that, I want you to add to that onyx. Now, the thing about the onyx is that it came from the, um, the aromatic muscle of the, uh, of the uh, of a particular, it's, it's like the kind of muscles that you would eat at a fish restaurant, but they would take that and grind it up into powder and it would burn, it would ignite when they would grind it up small. But the interesting thing is the word here comes from the word sahal, which means to roar like a lion. It's interesting that the word, the word there in oincha is from a Hebrew root word. Now, oincha is the English version of the word. The word in Hebrew is the word sahelet, and it comes from the word salah, sahal, which means if you were to use noise to peel something off of something. Now, that's a lot of noise. If you were to use noise to peel something off, that's what the word literally means, and they actually, they actually translate it as the roar of a lion. So now I've got a preacher, and I've got the roar of a lion, and now I have to add galbanon. Now galbanon literally means fat. It literally means the fat part. So it, it connects these two altars, but it's also the fat belonged to the Lord because it was the richest part. It was supposed to be the best part and the richest part, and that's why it always had to be separated. So now I've got this word fat, and then and because God was not just watching worship. We watch worship. God smells worship. Now that doesn't make sense now, but it will before I'm finished. So understand this. God does not care how much you can do this. God sees what's in here. God sees that you came here and then you come before him with a broken and a contrite spirit. God sees that. So anybody can do this at any concert. You go to any concert in the world, you choose your genre of music, you can go to any concert and you'll see this. It doesn't matter what, what genre it is. You go to any concert, you're gonna see this. You ain't even gonna see this. Well, probably better than that, but you're gonna see dancing too. So at any concert in the world, pick any genre you want, you're gonna see something that looks like what we would do in church to God. But the difference is, we're not worshiping the music. 
The difference, at least we're not supposed to be worshiping the music. We're not worshiping because the music makes us feel good. That's why we go to concerts, because the music makes us feel good. But the Lord says, I see who came from here, and I see what's in your spirit here, and I don't just view the worship, I smell the worship. It's coming up to me. And that's why that word is so important that's in the, the, the word galbanum and that's in there. And then the last one is the word frank, and it's, it's the word, we would call it frankincense now because it's frank incense that has been combined into two words. And basically what the frank did is it created this white smoke that rose up. And so none of the other ones did that. Most of those, as a matter of fact, two of these are resins. They call them tears. So two of these you could not grind. You could, you could grind the muscle shells and you could grind the, the, the frank, but you could not uh, grind the other two. You had to cut them like tears or rosin, resin rather, off the side of a tree. Have you ever seen a, a tree drip the resin? So when you tip that, when you, when you cut that off and you mix it here, it won't grind even when it dries out. The reason for that is because God wanted it to burn for a long time so it became gummy. It was like it melted in the pan and the other spices around it so it would cook for a long time. But God wanted one of those to bring a smoke that would rise up from heaven. You no, know, we've all learned to pray different ways and we all, some of us pray like me. I'm very animated in everything I do. So I'm not just an animated preacher in prayer. I live my life animated. So that's just me. And because of that, my personality comes out of my prayer and my prayer is gonna be a little animated. My prayer is gonna be a little loud and my worship is a little animated. I mean, I know you can worship God with tears rolling down your face, but I have to move when I worship. It's just something inside of me. It's just who I am. And I know what it looks like on this side, but hell fears people who come before God in prayer because to the ears of a demon, it does not sound the way it sounds to you. To the ears of a demon, it sounds like a prophet roaring like a lion, bringing their best to God, riding on a cloud. That's what it sounds like. That's what prayer sounds like. A prophet roaring like a lion, riding on a cloud, offering their best to God. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.